Welcome everyone to Ron's Roundtable, your unofficial podcast for all things VFriends Compete and Collect gameplay. I'm your host, Ron, and I'm thrilled to be your guide in this exciting world of strategic fun. On this show, we're diving deep into the immersive universe of VFriends Compete and Collect, exploring gameplay strategies, existing gameplay mechanics, and uncovering those hidden rule suggestions that can give you the edge that you need. Whether you're a seasoned CNC competitor or a hobbyist looking to enhance your skills, this podcast is for you. We'll be tapping into the expertise of fellow CNC enthusiasts and top-tier competitors who will share their invaluable deck-building strategies, tactics, and insights. You'll learn the secrets to outwitting your opponents and achieving victory. Yo, what's going on, fam? Here's your V-Friends Compete and Collect Market Report as of November 12th at 10.45 a.m., we have Bashful Blobfish went for an accepted offer under 25. We have a single Curious Crane, three bucks. A lot of singles went off the board today, like a little bit less than $2, but then you're paying $2 in shipping. I saw a lot of cards, uh, like literally a lot. 71 go for, um, actually, it was a, hang on, it was a lot of 70 cards for $71, so a dollar a card plus $8.15 in shipping. I thought that was interesting. There was a lot of 70s in the set. Then you also had a Skilled Skeleton, Gritty Ghost. So there were some rookies in there. Uh, I saw the Penguin. I saw an epic, badass Bulldog. Went for an accepted offer of less than 195 You had FU Monday Mole. Went for $5. A lot of boxes running off the shelf at 250 You had the Motivated Monster Rare go for 139 plus shipping. A graded, rare, swaggy sea line for 170 that was um, that was another accepted offer. You had rare robot rare uh, 002 out of 500 went for an accepted offer less than 239. And then we get into the V Friends super stickers. It's interesting these super stickers and the pins. Um, I see a lot of these super stickers going for not very much. Um, you have a you have the uh, Big Game Bandicoot, went for nineteen fifty. I have the Skilled Skeleton out of the Halloween set, the pin and the uh, sticker, $34.99. You had the PSA 10, $181 for the Hyped Horse. I thought that was a good price. You had an accepted offer on the Halloween Red Devil pin and super sticker, accepted offer less than $299. You have a sealed box for $35. Uh, the Smooth Spider sticker went for $16. So you see a lot of um, you see a lot of these moving off the shelf. I even saw another um, in a completely sealed Halloween case went for $4.39 as of November 6th. So there's still people out here buying sealed cases for sure, hunting for that black cat. Black Cat has not been pulled yet. However, the other night on Teacher's Stream over on To The Moon with uh, with Jay and Chels and, and uh, Tom, they pulled for Soggy Waffles. They pulled the one-of-one one epic. Um, well, it's not epic, but it's an epic card. One-of-one one Bubblegum Black Cat. They also pulled the Kind Warrior Auto and a ton of other um, CNC cards as well. So tons of... Tons of action over in the VFriends community. Check out uh, all of the streams that we have going on over at Fanatics, over at To The Moon, as well as Jake Courage. He debuts on Whatnot this evening. So before, before, um, or be sure to check all of those out. And uh, 
Thank you so much. Let's enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Today we have our guest is Adam Rips. He's the head of collectibles over at VFriends. Many of you know him from his Fanatics Live or seen him over at the National. Maybe you even saw him at VCon, possibly even over at the Comic-Con recently. He is a wealth of knowledge as far as collectibles goes. You're going to find out a lot about his collectible strategy, what he gets into, where he got his start, clear back from a freshman in high school, getting an eBay notification that one of his grail cards was on sale, and he negotiated his way into success on that one. So join me in welcoming Adam Rips to the show as we break down some strategies about the super stickers, the pins, as well as Compete and Collect Series 2 and Series 1 B-Friends cards. Let's get into it. Yo. Hey, what's up, Rips? How are we doing? Sorry, I'm a few minutes late. Oh, you're good, man. All good. Yeah, today is uh, it's Friday. Going into the weekend strong. Things are great. How about yourself? I love it. Um, I just, I'm also great. I just accidentally turned on my... Uh, Oh, there we go. My blur. So I'm going to turn that off. Things are good in the office today. We've got, um, oh, are you there? I think it's a little choppy. I don't know if it's me or you, but you, you're moving a little choppy. Yeah. Probably because sure. you look like you have the better setup. I'm not sure. Yeah. I have, uh, I got full signal over on my side. Am I clear for you? It's a little choppy, but no big deal. The audio is good. The video is just a little choppy. So as long as the audio stays good, I'm fine. Okay. Maybe we'll give it another minute or two. You seem to be getting better. But for okay. a, a gigantic digital agency, VaynerMedia's <laughs> Wi-Fi is sometimes more choppy than, you, than you'd anticipate. Well, um, probably because everybody's good or should, on it. Or should I put in AirPods or something? I'm, I think it's fine. Yeah, you're good. Great. Perfect. Um, yeah, things things are great. We're actually going to go live on Fanatics at noon at the same time that we're uh, dropping the Crocs gibbets just to do like giveaways and have fun with it. So I'm good up until noon. Yeah, that's right. 55 or whatever. Yeah, I figured that you would be uh, you'd be short on time as far as like that hard stop because of the gibbets drop today, which kind of dives right into the conversation of you know, you're the head of collectibles over at VFriends. Right, I mean that is. What's your official title at this point? Head of collectibles is correct. Head of collectibles, right? So all of these drops that have been coming out, super stickers, gibbets, pins, uh, the cards in general. I mean, you're you're at the helm of it all. I feel no greater honor. Um, I think it, is the podcast going right now, or are we just talking? Yeah, we're good. We're it's going. I just have the conversation. Cool, got you. Um, I, I feel no greater honor. I am a longtime collector of everything, um, cards apart from V friends. And so time at Gary in the first place, I, I've been collecting cards since I was 10 years old. I was a fan of entrepreneurship and of sports and of, it was really of money and of sports. Those were my two big passions. So I was a kid who might decorate a snowman, um, in kindergarten was like decked out with a hundred dollar bills everywhere. So like in God we trust. And my like first grade birthday invitations was sent out on like a blown up, like jumbo bill inviting everybody to Dave and Buster's. And then I was the kid who had 15,000 Dave and Buster's tickets and then would never spend any of it. Cause I needed to keep saving up. And, uh, 
you know, building that bank and then eventually lost that card, which is a gigantic, or they, they went from like a digital point system or the card system to like an online system and I lost all my points. So um, that is what it is. But I was always about sports and money. And that led me to really be a fan of Gary because Gary was at the intersection of sports and money. Um, and then also led me into sports cards. I guess sports cards came first before Gary. Um, but I go to all these local shows and conventions and kind of buy and sell on eBay here and there when I was, you know, in elementary, middle school, I'd sell snacks to friends and Madden mobile coins was a big thing for me. That was a big game at the time when I would go to my friends' houses and they'd give me 20 bucks and I'd make a good profit on Madden mobile coins. Um, so I was kind of always looking for that thing. And uh, I really resonated with a lot of what Gary was putting out. And there was a time where he was looking to get into sports cards again. He, would, he did it as a kid. It's the reason why I always had loved who he was. And he was looking to get back into the hobby. He saw a lot of upside. Uh, he was very passionate about it. And so he put out a tweet that says, if you want to be in a sports card group chat, DM Lou Janu, his assistant at the time. And I was in the right place, right time, got into one of these group chats to talk sports cards. And I was just so deep in that hobby in the market. Every second that I wasn't in school or playing sports, it was in Facebook groups on eBay, in forums, hunting down cards for myself, for other people. And so when I knew what Gary, what cards Gary wanted, not only did I have a lot of those myself, but I knew everybody who had the cards he was looking for. And so I, I kind of uh, worked alongside him, uh, building up his card collection, which led to a great relationship, which led to uh, full-time employment out of high school, which led to the friends uh, a couple months after launch, not directly at launch. And after a whole lot of interesting, incredible and awesome things that V friends have uh, found my role specifically with collectibles and cards as we look to grow that out uh, specifically within all of the pillars that V friends builds out. Um, so definitely full circle with all the cards and collectibles and being able to work close with Gary on a day to day is, is a dream. So whenever you were back at 10 years old, I want to back up just a hair. Whenever you were kind of trading the Madden coins and going through that whole entire process, like what cards specifically were you into at that point? All sports? Was it football? Was it baseball? I'm just curious. Like we like to dive in on what was your thing back then. Yeah. Absolutely. I think like any other boy in elementary school you're you're open up packs with your friends you're trading you're trying to get like the worthless adrian peterson card because he was or maurice jones drew or whoever the heck was great at the time um so you would go over bring your binders and, and play and at that point it was really all sports um just as like a hobbyist a sports fan and then when i got more into collecting it was uh collecting and, and putting money into it money meaning it could have been twenty dollars at the time or a hundred dollars but when i was buying things i was much more into basketball particularly. Uh, it's always been my favorite sport. I've always played it. I felt like I know it best. I want, I liked watching it the most. And to me, the biggest, and I think it ties directly to be friends as well, but the, the reason why you like to collect this stuff is so you can watch it and feel like you're a part of it and enjoy it. So, uh, you know, Rajon Rondo had no idea that I owned his card while I was watching the Celtics play back then, but I knew that I just spent $15 on a Rondo card and it was more fun for me to watch that game. Um, and I, I felt like I had uh, a bit of a stake in, in what was happening. Like, I think that's a really exciting moment for any, that's, that's what drives a lot of enthusiasm, uh, for collecting in general. And so, uh, collected everything as a kid, but really as I continued to grow in my collecting world of cards, I was more focused on basketball because it's what I knew best. I felt like I can scout that talent the best, um, and enjoyed playing it the most. So who's got the better basketball card collection, you or Cranach? Oh, I've, I, 
I I don't, I don't think he'd be shy to say that I have the better card collection. Yeah. I just think it's, it's that I've been in it for a longer time. I have uh, I, I have a pre Gary collection. And so I think Gary's got Gary would trump both of us in this conversation first and sure. foremost. And then I think uh, I, I have a, a lot of cards that people can't really find elsewhere. And I'm, I'm proud of my basketball collection. So I, I will say me, but I think Andy, that's no discredit to Andy's collection either. <laughs> so what's your grail card in, inside of that, uh, that personal collection? Man, there's a, uh, there's a lot of them. I, I've, I think I have like three categories of collecting it, to, to even, I mean, there's a lot more than that, but broadly, uh, I started off collecting memorabilia. So like LeBron James signed posters, Kobe signed Jersey, like whatever that may be, uh, to kind of deck out my room, build out a wall, you know, you know, people get the fat heads everywhere. You just kind of have, I had like my 11 year old man cave filled with like Al Jefferson signed photos or whoever was good in the NBA at the time. Yeah. And that led me more into the card industry. The card industry is always levels above and has grown to be levels above the, mem the memorabilia industry. So I do cards and memorabilia. And then more recently, I've done a lot of historical memorabilia collecting. So signatures from Jackie Robinson to John Hancock to George Washington to the podium that JFK stood on for his inauguration, a bunch of that weird stuff. So there's, there's kind of favorites within everything. But I would say from a card collecting standpoint, um, I started collecting Giannis Antetokounmpo when I was 13 or 14 years old, when he was still not even a starter in the NBA. And uh, for those who don't know, he's now an NBA champion, a two-time MVP, uh, known as you know one of the best players currently and, and certainly making his mark in, in league history. And so he was who I was for. I mean, it's I guess it's like the equivalent of minting a board ape before it was cool or, or before anyone really knew what they were uh equivalent of in the sports card world um before the industry was was popular as a uh, popular as a whole so i've got a lot of really cool Giannis cards maybe not my most valuable one but my favorite one is one that has a signed uh it, it has a patch card of his it's a patch card it has the tag from his nba jersey and then it has his signature on the card and the reason I love it so much is two things. One, because a lot of times with sports cards, you can't tell uh, when a card was used or when the, when the patch was used in a card. But for this card, it has the actual NBA tag. So you can kind of look up and verify like the exact game it was worn in, which I always find fascinating. And then the signature adds another element to it. And lastly, it's because I, it was a card I was really looking for. When these sets come out, you know, people chase the specific cards. You know, imagine, you know, people who, who are chasing after the rare robot autograph and compete and collect. This was my... This is my version of that. I'm like, I really want this card. Um, I'll show this one in the middle. It's this, oh, I'm, I'm blur. Blur. I gotta fix my blur background. But anyway, um, I came up at lunchtime when I was in like seventh grade. And actually, no, I was in high school, that's a lie. I was a freshman in high school. And it came up on, on, at lunchtime. And I was like, oh my God, it's here. And it was really cheap, like really cheap. I, you know, when I said I was like $1,500 listed for, and I thought it was like a four or $5,000 card. And still, I put in an offer because I was silly. I'm like, I'm going to offer and try to negotiate because that's my nature. Mm -hmm. um, and I ended up getting it for like $1,300. But being able to see that come up at lunchtime, and I'm like, oh, this is my this is my time. And then still going in and making an offer because I would have been devastated if it didn't. Uh, oh, okay. If it didn't hit, but I got graded after. I got a 9.5. I just I've always loved this that Giannis card in the middle. If anyone uh, wants to check out. The, the card life of me i've got it's rips cards r.i.p.p.s cards i haven't been posting a lot since uh going super heavy on v friends but 
I, uh, I have a lot of my collection up on that. Yeah, I'll make sure that I link that in the show notes for sure. And something that you brought up there was the the patch itself. And that was interesting just because of all the news that's going around about Panini and the game-worn jerseys or just um, jerseys in general being able to be put into those insert cards. I'm curious, like, what is you don't have to give like an official answer, but just like what's your knee jerk reaction to what's going on with Panini and the game worn jerseys and their, their whole entire relationship sort of disintegrating with the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's a super interesting topic for the card world. I think, I mean, I think back to like seven, eight years ago where there was no mainstream interest really in the hobby like there was now. And when I say that, you know, of course, this has been a hobby that's been around since the 1800s, right? It's, it's a very, it's still the test of time. It's, it's a pastime, but it hasn't, I guess, uh, hit the top culture mainstream like it is now. And so to see this type of stuff actually happening, um, I think is fascinating. And then when I think of Panini versus Fanatics, I, I feel like Panini really was there as like the... I guess there, I, I almost, I don't even, it's a little hard to qualify it as such, but it's like a golden age of cards. Like people are getting, like it's the huge boom of this hobby and Panini was kind of there fostering it all. Um, and then as more and more people get into it, I think obviously competition means a whole lot. And then when you have, you know, Panini, who's from a game more jersey standpoint, it's always been the way for people who aren't listening. Like they, what people hypothesize and what I think is right is that they'll buy five or 10 jerseys, 20 jerseys, whatever it is, and just stand, stand in a room with a guy and have them toss on the jersey for 50, you know, toss on 10 jerseys and just say that they were, you know, not from any specific event or they're not game worn. Um, and so people always had, uh, I guess, a, a, a discourse with that. They, they weren't super pleased about it, which is totally right. And then as far as fanatics and where they stand, I mean, I I think that we, myself, Gary, we're, we're all really excited with where fanatics can take the card industry as pure collectors because Michael Rubin said it best going back to that, Hey, cards were never that mainstream a while back. The truth is that the card industry really boomed and it wasn't ever like marketed. It wasn't really promoted in a way that a lot of this other pop culture is to the mainstream and the masses. It just kind of happened organically. And uh, I think people had issues with Panini. Some people love Panini. I think that every company has its pros and cons. But the fact that now there's a company like Fanatics who's fostering these relationships a little bit stronger um, and you see the star power, like, Michael Rubin went to a local Jersey card shop with Tom Brady and Travis Scott and Kevin Hart, I think were the big three and uh, seeing, I think that there's, there's no better businessman and cultural person to be at the helm of it than, than Michael having a few conversations with them. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about fanatics, but man, I, the, the, the days of Panini were very exciting as well. Um, and I, I don't think it's over. I know they're doing a whole lot of stuff still, a lot of NIL stuff as well. Um, but I'll continue to collect everything. I think a lot of the Panini stuff is going to be ultra special in the long run when you realize that there wasn't, or, you know, if, if they're not making a great NBA card again, because they don't have that license. I think people who are like in this golden age, it's a bit of, you know, in 10 years, they're going to be like, oh, I really love that set and uh, I miss it and I want to go buy it. So I have full faith in both, but I think that uh, Fanatics is going to do a really good job at building out um, a broader market and collector base for, for cards in general. That was something that I was really interested in a couple of weeks back whenever Ruben went to the local card shop and a couple other places. Like there was a few NBA players that did the same thing on the same day and they all they all went to their local card shops and started breaking cards. I mean, we saw the 
we saw Post Malone, what, a couple months ago or a month ago, whenever he bought the one ring, and that really got some buzz going. And I'm sure that it got people talking about, and when you talk about marketing, you know, he dropped an album like the next yeah. day, which was, yeah. I don't think that was a coincidence. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, you're exactly right. Um, I think that, look at a, it's a completely different industry, but look at an industry like, like watches, timepieces, you, you, every celebrity in the world wants those. They are educated on them or they're not. And they just want it as, as a status symbol, but the level of, uh, and I mean, look on a different scale, it happened with NFTs, you know, board, he, he bought a board ape and put it in his music video. Celebrities got on the board ape, uh, train and NFT train as well. But I think that the difference between cards and a lot of other things is they have to the test of time. They are something that everybody collected as a kid. It's a familiar thing. Um, when, when Post Malone would go to a sports card show and it's happened a few times, people are like, Oh my, like Post Malone is here. Like, this is amazing. This is so great for the hobby. Um, and I, I do believe that the more that fanatics uses its athlete relationships to truly build collectors, bring more collectors into the game. It's only going to help the overall hobby. I think they did like, they did something called a tops like rip night or something like that across with every card store, which is, I think what, you know, what you were referring to as yeah. well. Um, but the more families and kids and parents and, you know, having these memories with my dad is, is, is incredible. And so the more parents and kids that can get into card collecting, the better. And then of course, I think VFriend is well positioned for the family dynamic of, of card collecting and, and non-sports because gosh, the sports industry is uh, just as, the non-sports industry, sorry, is is just as massive as the sports industry. And I think, gosh, what was it? Two points. I think people debate whether it's two point six or two million for the one ring card. But Post Malone at the center of that. I think he's such a great advocate for that game. I saw him talking with um, Joe Rogan about it. Just like, dude, this is the greatest game of all time. Like, you get along with your friends. Like, it's. I think there's a, a big uh, difference between sports and trading cards, but the communities around them and the passion around it is the same. I totally agree with you. And I think that something to be considered is just the gameplay in general, which brings us to V friends compete and collect. I'm curious, you know, we had that inaugural tournament at the national card show convention um, or national sports card convention over in Chicago. And it was, it was a wild success. You know, we had that first tournament, everybody was in and playing and now we're seeing others start to pick up on the game. I'm curious, we had a couple questions come in from some of our um, our Twitter following, and it was, you know, what is the next evolution of the game? Because everybody that's listening to this, they understand the game for the most part. Um, you have your sub scores, you have your total scores, and then you have your rarity points. Now, is there a next evolution of the game on the horizon? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's what makes me the most excited because I truly believe, and I after going to events, talking with people, working with super awesome games who are not only developers um, and lifelong enthusiasts, but they've worked at Upper Deck, they've owned card shops, they know this world. Like I have complete confidence in the game right now and where the game is going. I think the number one, the best problem to have that we currently have is that it's um, it's not accessible to the mainstream on the way that it um, could be. And that's because the cards were given to the series two holders, right? So, um, firstly, you know, mostly you know, that's a demographic of adults, and of course, adults would you know play with their kids. They would play. They would give the cards to nieces, nephews, brothers, cousins, friends, etc. Uh, and so, I mean, my favorite thing that the card game did from the start, 
And what the trading cards did is first it, it allows everybody to collect every single character. That was never possible before. Um, people were minting one NFT and you get one character, but now you also get 52 other cards and now suddenly you have uh, equity, you know, for lack of a better word, you have, you have an interest in 52 other characters. You now care about 52 characters instead of the one. And so, of course, the collector uh, mentality has gone a lot into this. The downside and the upside at the same time is that the cards have real value. You know, they're apart from series one, which is a completely, you know, different topic and, and a different drop, which I'm happy to dive into as well. Um, those cards are so valuable. We're like, you know, these are the first ever series two cards. They were released on mint day. It was a surprise. It was V friends entering the trading card game universe. Um, and kind of, you know, I think people know that it's these original cards. And even though, while well, you know, some still have, you know, a lot of cards out there, it's like this alpha set for V friends and they're collectible, they're playable, they bring the both of those worlds. And so by nature of, of the characters in the brand, the cards are valuable and expensive. Um, I look at uh, the average price of a board game in the United States, and it's, it's in the $50 ballpark range. And I know that when we're at Comic-Con, what kept happening time after time after time is kids would play the game, they bring their parents up or vice versa, and they're like, oh, like, this is awesome. How can we stay engaged? How can we continue to play? And the blunt answer, which I was you know, talking to people about genuinely was, I, I, it's to to get your kid right now a deck of twenty cards. Um, of course, you know you can buy cards on eBay. Went into the spiel of you know you can buy cards on eBay. It's a few dollars. You can find the characters you like. You can collect them. But to really begin playing, you need five packs of cards, and those packs are thirty dollars each. Um, so for a parent to be able to swallow that price to get their kid into a card game is is uh, not what we want to you know not what we want to push. But at the same time, like you know these cards are valuable because they're these original this out this original set and so more than anything i'm looking forward to something that continues to hold the prestige uh of this original set of cards that we released you know to the holders while also allowing something for for kids and families to play that that is more accessible from a price standpoint and also complete from a kid standpoint um i think would be great and what, what we're hoping to progress towards is like right now you know you got the playmat online you've got game pieces go find your nickels and dimes um, but of course, uh, a package that somebody could pick up on a shelf, on a website, at a card store that has a, a deck for you to play with or packs for you to play with and then has your complete game set, um, I think is what's really going to bring the, the V Friends game to the next level. Um, simply because it's still, it's insular by nature. You know, we 50, 55,000 boxes shipping out to holders um, is not the same as 55,000 boxes going out to kids on a website at Comic-Con. Um, but I think it's incredible. I think it was a great value add to Series 2. I think it's still, I mean, talk about 3 million cards, you know, trading cards, things that kids love and people love by nature compared to 55,000 NFTs. I, I think it's been integral. Uh, and I'm just excited for where it's going to go. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that it's sooner than later. So with the that being said, you said a, a full kid package. I'm curious what the thought is uh, from vfriend standpoint in terms of the swears on the cards i know that you're you're one not to swear um i've went to a lot of local card shops and shows and i've taught kids how to play and i've had to remove those cards from the game um and to to gary's almost like quoting him he said that this was supposed to be a softer approach you know to get into like that ecosystem of entrepreneurship and growth mindset um, but we're, st but we still have those few cards that are just like kind of a needle in the side. Um, is, is there any thought on that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, there was the day where we were all opening up uh, packs at Gary's apartment. Those are the, what are now those Gary originally owned cards. Um, I think we opened, you know, over a hundred boxes and I was asking Gary as we were opening, it was just me, him and his son. We actually had two days of opening. One was me, him and his son. The other one was with a larger group. I was like, you know, looking through him like, Gary, if you could go back, would you take the curse words out of the original set? And he's like, he looked at me like, dude, like no chance. Like this is my, this is the brand. This is what it's meant to do. Um, and again, you know, considering one, it's, it's, it's a family friendly game, but at the same time it, it was released to uh, holders. And that was the names of the characters, right? So it made more sense at the time. And I think it's like absolutely legendary that that's the case. I think it's hilarious. I don't pronounce them. Um, you won't find another card game that, or sorry, another family card game that that has that uh, in it. But I think moving forward, yeah, and, and Gary's alluded to it on Fanatics Live, I, I don't think we intend to have the full character names, whether it's a star or whether it's the Monday Mole instead of the, you know, this is specific to the card game and, and not to, you know, the NFTs or anything like that right mm -hmm. now. But um, how the nomenclature changes, I'm not exactly sure. Do I think that the F word and uh, all the other words are going to end up on these cards uh, on the shelves of Target for five to 10 year olds? I, I don't I don't truly believe that to be the case. And then, of course, that would leave the original cards and held in a much higher regard as like, Gosh, I, I read these stories now as a collector. You know, I'm, I'm collecting things from the 1700s, never mind from the 2020s. But you can only imagine the forums in 15 years where people are like, yo, Gary, like, v, like imagine V friends on, on, on the top of the card universe in an in a ideal world. And people are like, Gary, put the, the F U C K Monday mole into this family. He's, he's, I hear on Fanatics Live telling you to bring your kids, but then he's also opening up Fanatics. He's opening up the FU Monday Mole and the, the Hot Hornet and whatever it may be. And so, um, again, not an official confirmation on any names or verbiage or anything, but um, I, I think it's going to be so unique in 15 years when people look at these original cards and they're like, in Series 1 as well, um, but they're like, goodness, I, I, the, those it was just such a fantastic dynamic that was happening at the time. Yeah. Well, we already sort of saw the bold as F bat coming through with the little asterisk on it. So I think that, you know, we can almost see what's happening. Maybe that evolution. Um, another question did come in for, from Cowabunga Chan and he wanted to know which super sticker, cause this comes back to the super stickers cause we're going bold AF bat, which super sticker design yeah. has the most thought put behind it? Mm -hmm. What a good question. Um, I'll start from the beginning, which was, I think the video is still out there. I think I might've shown it on Fanatics Live once, but we, during that same unboxing day, um, again, it's, it's opening packs, but also ideas just flow throughout. And we were talking about what we needed, that we were cor corporate sponsors of the National, and we had spent really months debating on what the activation of the National was going to be. Uh, Scratch-offs where you can either win a V Friends card and, or open up, you know, come, everyone come at this time to open a pack with Gary. This is 6,000 people. Um, you know, come you know, get a scratch or the V friends booth, either when, uh, you know, if you hit, get a pack, if you hit the stun sun in your pack, you get a Durant rookie card or like we were thinking of all these, you know, funky ideas. Um, and I was like, Gary, like we need to get this locked in because we're, you know, X months out from the show, whatever it was. Um, and we also, we also had had, he's been a collector of the vending machine stickers from the, from the eighties. 
He's got mostly the Ninja Turtle ones. I think the Ninja Turtles ones are actually like their first ever cards out there. And it's Ninja Turtles are from 1988, and then they had a top set come out in 1989. Um, but he wanted to do the Super Stickers because it was also not the VIPs at the National are for a uh, older audience. I think like you get for you get in a half hour earlier, you get like free autograph tickets. Like it's not something that like the kids and cloud chases of cards are looking to get into. Um, but you, it, I mean, all ages, of course. But it wasn't. I think he, the overall execution of super stickers would be my overall answer because having that conversation, hearing the logic of older collectors outside of the stores, getting a vending machine sticker, and then us being able to do the same thing in a VIP bag with characters, and then the character selection. Literally, as we were opening opening up packs, he was putting aside the characters who he wanted. They were sportier, you know, big game Bandicoot, Focus Falcon. Um, type of vibe, some that were a little meme or like the blobfish. Um, so as he was opening packs, we put aside the characters he wanted. And then him and I went through the characters that currently have a physical collectible out there, apart from a CNC card. So, you know, let's call it, if he picked that Empathy Elephant, I would say, hey, Gary, the elephant's already been on the white patch hoodie and it's already been on the wine glass at VCon and it's already been on the Empathy uh, Gold Cabernet release. And then he'd say, oh, like, all right, let's, let's hold off on the elephant sticker. And so we selected, um, at the time, what were 20 stickers. And so I think, like, the overall execution was awesome. And then as far as the sticker-wise, in the national one, the Rare Robot originally had a different colored background, and it blended in too much with the rest of the collection. Um, let's, let's say it was pink or something. Um, there was, like, four other characters who had a pink background, the Toad, the Wolverine, etc. So at the last minute, we like uh, we switched the background color on the robot to make it look more unique. So I like that little take. And then I'll, I'll always bring up this memory. But when we were doing the Halloween ones, I really liked a candy corn background um, on them, on three of them, the clown, the ninja, and the fairy. And Gary saw it. He texted me, said, corn blows. It needs to be like rad stripes, like barbershop style stripes, like and uh, he switched them up and he approved them. And then I think those came out as the best design. So he still wins and he'll, 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 he'll bring that up with me every now and then. But um, I love those ones. Got it. Candy corn. Super stickers the whole, super the whole I, I think are awesome from start to finish. We're not even close to, to finish yet, but um, it's been a really fun process. And Gary's Gary has been, I mean, super, super involved every step of the way. Well, and it's also been one of the greatest successes for Burn Island as well, from an NFT standpoint, you know, being able to do those scene swaps. Totally agree. I mean, look, they just, it looks really cool. I think it evokes um, that sense of nostalgia from specific collectors, but then also is appealing to anybody who's never seen it before. And that's not a super easy thing to capture. And then when you have that built out in the physical world, um, you see that people want to collect it digitally and, and vice versa. Um, I'm excited. I don't think we've, you know, we haven't done a sticker release since that background swap. I'm sure there are hundreds of people who swapped the backgrounds who didn't have a physical sticker or grab one on eBay, but um, it's it, it was honestly really cool to see. And I think that it's just, a t- like the, I think myself, Andy, Gary, when we first saw like the designs that I think Eric on our team had mocked up for the stickers, we were like, this is, this is so freaking cool. Um, and I, I think it, it worked really well physically and digitally. What was the thought process behind the stickers and just putting limited out of 199 instead of actual number out of 199, we'll say? Um, the combination of timing and um, not feeling confident that it would come out the way we wanted it to. 
And so when I say that, um, I mean, we were, we were pretty much going up to the last second. You know, we had this theory. We, we had to make all the designs, change the background scenes, add different, you know, names and such to the cards. And then if we were to serial number them, we wouldn't have been able to see what they looked like. Um, beforehand, this is pretty much for both releases. Um, is it something I would explore and, and think we can do in the future? Definitely. But at the same time, I think it's a sticker. You want it to look like I didn't, basically I didn't want it to come out of there and look like it was like a typewriter font on a, on a thing. It was something that uh, the manufacturer that we made that first, the first two, the two runs are different. The first manufacturer hadn't done it before. And so for the national, um, didn't feel like it made sense. And then for Halloween, um, same thing, just first run with a new manufacturer and um, felt really confident in what the art looked like. So could it be something we do moving forward? I would love to. Um, but did I feel it was worth the trade-off for the first two runs? Um, I didn't. That makes sense. Totally. Um, and I, that was sort of where I was, I was headed with that. I had another question come in from Joseph Capalio uh, from Capalo yep. Music. He said, when will stickers, not super stickers, be available for each character? Similar to what we did with the t-shirts just recently. It's a good question. Um, it's not something I have the answer to right now. I think that that's something that the cards will always embrace is the ability to collect every character at the same time. And then, as I mentioned, it's, it's much more expensive. And so when I think of that, I think through, I think about like the sticker albums that FIFA or not FIFA, when I say FIFA, maybe FIFA world cup releases every year. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, I used to go to the, you know, when I would go to models, I think it doesn't exist anymore, but models or dicks or whatever it was, they would have the albums with all the little packs inside for, a, I think now it's $2 a piece, but it used to be a dollar. And so I think a sticker album for V friends and activity and sticker album would be incredible. I think that mini sticker packs are great. Um, we had a conversation about it. I think, Right when Compete Collect was releasing about doing a mainstream sticker album that would be, you know, in retailers, but at the time it was just, it wouldn't have done anything but dilute the Compete Collect cards. Mm -hmm. And so right now the focus has been building the cards, building the collectability around the cards and the gameplay instead of um, bringing that attraction to a lower price sticker. Uh, but I, was, I mean, I think it's now at the point where the cards are so great and it's two different established worlds and um, they could both live in tandem, but when we were talking stickers early on, it was just, let's, let's put a drop on stickers. Let's focus on the cards. Got it. Um, do you have, do you have a set to play? I'm going, I'm going a different style with you today. Okay. I'm going five packs. All right. Sounds good. Do you want me to just do some random cards too then? No, I, I, I feel I, I want to put together my sets as a, as a player. I, I've only got about, 15 left so i will say we, we can do questions as we go we can skip yeah. gameplay and not do and just do questions or whatever but i do have to jump five before noon yeah no absolutely and i won't keep you any longer than that so go ahead and just keep ripping and um i'll keep ripping off questions as All well right. so i also had like yeah, i just, wanted uh, I, was, I was gonna say i'm excited for, for the first event where people have to open five packs and test their luck i mean not test their luck but really just test their skill yeah all right, let me unmute this. Audio off. Camera on. Yeah, I think that there's so many unique game styles that are going on just inside of the community that I, I got to be honest, like the cores only tournaments that we've been playing have been some of the most fun that I've 
I've been involved in just because like they sort of, uh, it takes a lot of the, like that high end tier one type cards out of the mix. Oh, that looks, can you, is that coming out clear on your end? Yeah, the back's look clear. Okay, perfect. Then I'll go ahead and run this. Perfect. All right, so whenever you guys were talking about pins, too, I'm just going to call heads or tails. When you were talking about pins and changing manufacturers, I'll just go ahead and let you attack first. Um, Is, like, why did you change the manufacturers and why did you make them so big this time around? So... The pin manufacturer has always been the same for us. The sticker manufacturer was different for the national than it was for pins. Okay. Um, the reason for changing the sticker quality was it was just it was way higher um, with Trolley. Trolley, who's producing is who's producing them for us. Um, they make our pins as well. Stickers and pins are are kind of made the same way, and it, it's all different reasons. Nothing that make that's going to excite everybody here but there's you know ways that you can't make stickers where we did the first time and import them to the other factory and then have it also be the random distribution and it's wrapped in the right way so the national was was uh separate and those were also the, the same as the alpaca and then for the mystery halloween collection um we were able to actually get them in like those little plastic bags which i thought was cool in the same pack as the pins and then for the newer pins i I like the bigger sizes. I think that um, it feels more significant. I wanted to have it. I, I wanted to have it stick out a little bit more than what Vcon did. Um, Vcons are very small. I think they're cool. They're also nice to wear. But I had opened like a bunch and collected a bunch of other pins, and I, I felt like V Friends was too insignificant looking in the collection, and that um, wasn't as easy to spot. And so I think we did. I want to say it was. I might be wrong. Twenty five percent bigger. Um, for Halloween, I like the bigger pin. Um, I think it, it holds more weight and it feels like you have something of more value in your hand than like a little tiny, uh, rare robot. Okay. And then I also think it makes the addition, it makes the addition zeros a little bit different because they're all, they're going to always, you know, there's all, there's going to be all different sizes, but addition zero was particularly, particularly small. Why? And then, sorry, the last point. Yeah. I'm going to go into my third, my third detail, which is, uh, we had more room in the boxes for the Halloween ones because we were doing the sticker. So then we, you know, whatever size the pin was, would be able to fit in the same box. Um, whereas the, the, the VCOM boxes were smaller. So just two different products, but I, I do, I was opening up too many other pins and I was like, all these pins feel bigger and better to hold than V friends ones do for edition zero. Now I like that backstory. What was the theory then on the V friends one pin or edition zero rather? And, um, having some of them have like gold some are bronze some are silver like ambitious angel is gold um i think the crab um, is bronze is there any significance yep. behind that yep. there's no true there was no true strategy to that the same as other things and other rarities um it's it was really truthfully what looked best for the specific character got it no, that's that's a fine answer. I was just curious because I I was putting them on my fanny pack the other day, and uh, I'm like, wait a minute, one of these is gold, one of these is silver, one is bronze. It was kind of cool because yeah, yeah. all three flavors on my fanny pack now. <laughs> no, there's uh, it, 
I'm I'm glad that they have those options, but it's it's truly just because uh, some you know angel looks better with gold and the robot looks better with silver. It's it's the same way that we pick enamel. It's really just what color looks best on the on the actual character. Got it. All right, cool. All right, well, I'm going to put aside my tier one deck there, and I'm going to go with my cores only deck just because. Uh, I appreciate that. I don't know what I'm holding here, so maybe there could be a, a spec something, but there could be you know. crazy stuff. All right. Uh, go ahead. You can attack first. All right. I challenge skill. Decline. Aura. I decline to stamina. Decline. Total. I've got the Anastronaut. 70. Nice. I got a seahorse. There we go. 50. But I couldn't give you three, so you can take one of each. All right. My attack. Beautiful. That's yeah, better move for you. Yes. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to, um, cause I went with the strongest on the second and then if you decline, then I can decline you and we go total. So, all right. Uh, I it's, always, it's, fascinating, it's fascinating how, how fast kids pick up on like going to the total as opposed to getting three and one parents are like, I didn't teach them how to bluff or like any of that, but I, <laughs> it's, it's always a fun little strategy. It really strategy. is. And something I found too, is the kids who couldn't read like the really, really young kids, they would just say, I attack yellow, yeah. I attack green. So the colors work too. And then they knew, we even like went even further. So instead of like double digit figures, I was just going single digit. So on a 16, we'll say, we just did a six. And I'm like, is six bigger than five? And they, they picked it up too. So yeah. like super young kids can get in on the action. Um, but anyhow, I attack aura. I attack aura. I decline to skill. Except. 20. 20. Got 24 with the diamond hand 10. Ooh, look at you. It's got to be skilled to have diamond hands. That's right. All right, your attack. All right, I attack. I challenge aura. Decline, skill. I decline to stamina. We're going to go total. I'm getting smoked here. I got 60. Nice. I got a 52 on the King Kingfisher. I, I had a 22 in stamina, so I got you where I wanted, but it did not did not serve me all too well. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, my attack. I attack stamina. I accept 17. I go from macro micro to the honest baby. There you go. I got 17 on my guy. Did you see the sentimental salamander we hit yesterday? The emerald? I did. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already yeah, reached yeah. out to Juju King. <laughs> I'm already on it. I did see that, though. Yeah, it's such a cool card. Right. I, love, I love the few poses where they're on their hands instead of their, their feet. I think it looks cool. Oh, definitely. All right. So who's up now? Your attack. I challenge Aura. Except. 18. 19. You got me. Nice. All right. I did it. The hot Hornet. The hot, hot Hornet might not be a hot SHIT Hornet next time, but he's still hot. <laughs> there you go. All right. My attack. I'll attack Stamina. I challenge... No, I accept stamina. 
I got 21 over there for the Grateful Gar. 16. Gosh, Graceful Goldfish. This is a this is. I, I feel like any 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 five packs would have would have had a better hand than than what Listen, you're doing right I, now. I just got to get all my fifties out of the way because we had to do so got this it. this deck in particular, and I won't dwell too much on this. Your attack is you had to pick one character from each number between sixty nine and fifty. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah, so interesting. that's where that's where okay. this deck came from. Yeah, viewers know that Ron is a better player than what's showing right now. That's all. <laughs> uh, it's, my, it's my attack. Yeah, I challenge skill. Uh, decline stamina. I accept stamina. Twenty-three. Uh, Twenty-one. I think it's my first time going down. Woo. So two stamina for you. Yes, sir. My attack. <laughs> oh, so. Do you mind if I just do a quick shuffle real quick? Because I'm realizing I'm realizing right now that these were all in order by number. <laughs> oh, so I don't know. These are gonna get harder for me, but I've, I've got a very fair head start. Yes. Okay. Very fair. All right. My attack. All right. I attack. Stamina. I decline to aura. Accept. I had to accept. I have a twenty. I got seventeen, but I Ooh. could not. I could not allow this to end on a three banger. So, I'll give you two in aura. Um, one second here. For sure. I'm trying to get our fanatics live posted here, please. We're all right. wearing all the hats. Let's start. All good. All right, your attack. I challenge skill. Decline stamina. Uh, I accept. 23. 18. Nice. The puffin. What a great Um, collaboration that was with the skateboard with primitive. Yeah, yeah I love that one. one. I think the gold skateboard from that is is a very underrated piece. Yeah, well, we have one. We ended up getting one. So my daughter was a skateboarder, and one of our friends ended up getting. So, yeah, she doesn't skateboard she, anymore. Or it's just a display piece. Just a display piece. Awesome. Yeah. All right, my attack. I attack Aura. I decline to... Stamina. Accept. Dang. 19. Yeah, you got, you got me beat. I would have had you in skill, which is where I was trying to get you to 22, so obviously did not work. Yeah. So you've got, what, five there? Yeah, six. I got six. Oh, boy. I got six, so don't, don't, go, to, don't go to total, Rips. Don't go to total. <laughs> You're up. Man. I challenge Stamina. Except. Damn, no. 20. 24. Oh, I'm toast. You got to oh, go anyhow. <laughs> that was a very bad comeback. Like, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. What else did I have in my five packs? Yeah, let's see what Why, you... Wasp, Goldfish, Coyote. Oh, this is Oh, tricky. I had you, man. So I started strong. I started oh! strong. Oh! Whoa! Epic. That's Epic a beautiful werewolf. card. 
That's very legit. See, that would have been a good one to, to hit the TBT <laughs> with. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you started off weak, and I ended weak. Oh, and, my uh, goodness. Like, yeah, but you overall win yeah. with that friggin' epic. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Gary wins because uh, I don't keep the cards that I pull here in the office. But <laughs> Love it. That is, uh, that's, a great, that's a great one. Well, I had, I had uh, no TTT card. Really, really good. Yeah. I like I like how the epics a lot of them pulled off. My epic that I have, I only have two. One of them is at on courtyard. I snagged it the other day. It was a hedgehog. But then I have this one. I got this crocodile, the green oh. on green. Yeah. Oh my Beautiful. goodness, it's so nice. Yeah. Well, oh, Rips, man, I is there anything else you'd like to get across? You got a surf. I was it's so funny. I was like, we have a surface issue here, but then I realized that I spit on the card. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, as I said, I've, I've got a few more minutes here before I got to jump. If there's any uh, other questions, okay, yeah, or anything, um, anything else to cover? So, I think I mean there was there's always stuff to cover with V friends. It's like, I guess what is the what's the plan for VCon with compete and collect? Are we going to have a tournament? What what's going on? Oh man, I please. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, of course the answer is we want we want to have the best compete and collect V friends cards in general experience possible. The cards night and like the vibe of everyone hanging out and opening packs and and getting a couple drinks and watching the Uno tournament was like to me unmatched. And so that's a really to me important thing to capture apart from the tension of like a tournament. And then you look at Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and these other card games that have thousands of players. And these events, you know, with thousands of players take a long time. Like it's a it's a event, it's a VCon in and of itself. And so for me, it's it's gonna be all about finding the balance of a uh, of inclusion, but also not making VCon a compete and collect tournament. Um or a V Friends. What if you know, we did this? Friends cards event. What if Please? we had mini events leading up to it to qualify? And have the final table be at VCon. Like, let's do some, some definitely some, yeah. like collectors I mean, I've, corner, I've definitely play courage, fanatics. Like, let's get a couple like play-in tournaments, and then that gives you a bid to the final table at VCon. I and I've I've given that some thought because I think it it captures both of everyone can play, but few can participate at right. VCon. Like everyone gets a chance. But, you know, you got to earn your way there. Essentially, like what we did at the national was basically bypassing that and just saying, you know, we're going to do, we're going to reach out to our our, our top collectors uh, in the ecosystem. Um, but VCon, I think, is a huge staple event. Obviously, we want to do compete and collect as best as possible. Um, if we, if we, if there's a way, if we establish the best way for people to to play and qualify, we're going to do it. Um, but I don't feel comfortable releasing how and any other specific details on it other than like. Gosh, VCon, if we wanted to, could be all about compete and collect. That's not what VCon is. Um, there's a whole lot to consider when we're doing tournaments, you know, bringing in card shops, bringing in streamers, bringing in, you know, live events, all of that. It's it's all too exciting to, to go into. We could talk for an hour about that. We'll talk. I'll, I'll come back when we're when we're jamming on what's going to be happening at VCon. Um, but uh, too much, too much to dive into and, and still too much to figure out. All right. Um, did I just get you? August. Did but I just I'm, get you for an episode too? Did I just did we just confirm episode two? Absolutely. You the man. You the man. Well, Rips, get out of here. Go get your gibbets on. I'll talk to you later, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I had a great time. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, and we'll see you next time. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Build those decks. Stay strong.
See you, Rips. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to stay updated with each exciting episode. Until next time, may your strategies be sharp and your decks ever victorious.